Hi, I'm Carlin Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. Do you know a control freak? Or maybe you are one. Do I sound like an infomercial? At the very least, unless you're broadcasting this podcast in a galaxy far, far away, I'm sure you've heard the term control freak. All right, all kidding aside, I'm here today to talk about control freakdom. According to the definition of a control freak on the World Wide Web, the term started being used in the 1970s as a slang psychology term describing people who are perfectionists. These are people who defend themselves against their own vulnerabilities in the belief that if, that if they are in total control, they would not expose themselves or their insecurities. Control freaks tend to be driven by the need to dominate and control. Control freaks paradoxically manipulate and pressure others to change in order to avoid changing themselves. So how has control fandom become so prevalent in our society? I don't know, maybe it's Janet Jackson's song in the 80s that made us feel a little bit too empowered, or maybe, just maybe, it's because it comes from the old school, and in my opinion, backwards management philosophy, that sadly so many people still buy into and practice that leaders need to exert their control in the name of authority in order to lead. Now, first of all, leadership is not a position or a title. Ask any monarch that has been overthrown that a title does not make you a leader. And I've known many positional leaders who have no influence in an organization. How about you? If you want to be a mindless drone, then by all means, move to an authoritarian society under tyranny. You won't be happy because human beings are not meant to be mindless drones controlled by others. We are human beings. We are not human doings. Leadership is all about influence, not control. And good leaders seek commitment, not compliance from their teams. The best leaders recognize they don't have all the answers and they couldn't possibly. The more brains and the more perspectives on a topic or a problem, the better likelihood of a successful outcome. Seems legit, right? Seems logical, right? Then why are control freaks still so rampant? Well, I believe it has more to do with change. That change is scary. Change is uncomfortable. And somewhere along the way, we have convinced ourselves that if we can control the outcome of something, that we can control the scary and avoid the uncomfortable. The problem is, is there's so much more out of our control than is in our control. And we have to learn to release the notion of control and understand our role. Take a trapeze, for instance. I read an article recently about the very specific roles of the person who flies and the person who catches the flyer in the air, the catcher. So we have a flyer and a catcher. The catcher has to catch and the flyer has to fly. They have very specific roles in their control they need to play in order to have a successful outcome. If the flyer tries to catch the catcher, they could break both of their arms or worse, both fall. And if they don't have a net, well, you get the point. So what about control freaks in the time of COVID? 
while the control freak mindset actually has a lot of value before a crisis. And these thinkers are really good at planning for every possible scenario because they don't want to get caught off guard because then that would be out of their control if they didn't think of something. But if this was only a situational mindset, like in terms of contingency planning for a crisis, then it would be okay. But control freaks who are innately that way want to control every aspect of their lives to their and while everyone else's frustration and detriment around them. Our control freak friends tend to be terrible during a crisis because a crisis is just that. By definition, it is unplanned and removes all ability to foresee what's going to happen and it removes all ability to plan and to control the situation, the message, the path, whatever. This is the most stressful thing that can happen to a control freak. They react by still trying to control, and often this just wreaks havoc, especially when you're a leader. As a result of their freakdom, they can often create swirl, micromanage, and make everyone around them nervous and amped up. They create fake emergencies, or what I'd like to call faux emergencies, and the team becomes exhausted and just absolutely miserable. I want you to test my theory, though, please. Take a look at the people in your life right now, at home, work, church, school, wherever. Which ones are doing better in this time? Which ones have an exceptional amount of fear and anxiety for the current state and the future? Assess their actions, and please tell me where I'm wrong. We all have fear, so this isn't completely a fair litmus test that everyone who has anxiety is a control freak, not to that extent, but when you dig deeper into the people in your life, the people who have the most fear and the most anxiety for the unknown are typically the ones who feel anxious because they have no control over what's happening and have no idea if or when they ever will again, but the reality is What they don't realize is they never had full control to begin with. So you must be thinking by now, wow, she's really hating on control freaks, so Judgy Judgerson. Yeah, I I know, but, you know, I should know because I am a recovering control freak. Let me give you an example of one of my behavioral ahas. It's a very simple one, but I'm sure you can all relate. I thought, like any good spouse, when we're in the passenger seat, we're supposed to help our spouse in the driver's seat. You know, drive. Say things like, hey, watch out for that debris in the road, or oh my God, you're too close, or you're driving too fast, you're driving too slow, switch lanes, oh my gosh, someone's coming up on the right. Never did I consider that behavior was actually me trying to control the situation until my husband pointed out that that was really a symptom of my my tendency to be a control freak. Of course, he was wrong when he first told me this many years ago, and I justified my actions by saying, hey, all wives or husbands do this. He does it to me. I mean, if everyone jumped off a bridge, right? Am I right? I know. I I hate it when he tries to tell me how to drive, too. So I did pause, and I thought about that as a bigger analogy for my behavior in a lot of areas in my life. But don't tell my husband he's right because, again, he's not right. I'm always right. Um, I'm, I am trying to control his driving because I I do feel helpless in the passenger seat. So I can't steer us about or out of us a bad situation. And I have to trust him to do it. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to trust someone else. I, I know I would be able to control the situation if I was in the driver's seat, right? Like we are so ethnocentric in our thinking in those situations that, well, if it was me, I would absolutely be able to control it. 
apparently I'm just that powerful also that I can control everybody else on the road and their behaviors too. You see my point in such a simple analogy of how that can play out in so many other aspects of our lives? So this is the heart of the controlling mindset. We have to learn to trust others. We have to let control of what we cannot and often should not control. So if you're dreaming of running off with a circus, control freaks should be the catcher and not the flyer. My fellow freaks, it's okay. I am not trying to make you feel bad. There's a lot of us, and if we started a club, we'd have the highest membership of any club in the world. But what I am trying to say is that you are not alone. We need to recognize where this comes from, where this comes from inside of you, because chances are it was from early life or some traumatic experience related, or a leader taught you that this was how to manage people and lead. And then when we identify that, we need to focus on the future of how we can tame the control freak within us. It may take a conscious decision every day to do so, but believe me, it will be worth it. I promise my love for Italian espresso and Florence on it, and that's pretty huge. All right, well, let's get to our sips. Here's three sips that will help you at least get started in finding your center in the midst of -of out-of-control chaos. First sip. Draw a small circle on a piece of paper. Write down everything inside of it you can control. All right, so spoiler alert. This really should only contain anything you can actually do in it. You can only control how you act and react to anything. You are not an evil genius supervillain, I hate to break it to you, that has a superpower to mind control people yet. Then draw a second circle, much bigger one, around the first circle, and list everything that you cannot control that stresses you out. Brainstorm. Keep writing, 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 and exhaust your mind's worries on paper. This is also a form of therapeutic journaling to get that out of your head, get it out of your heart, get it onto paper. It'll make you feel better, I promise. Second tip. Now we're going to dig deeper in that little small circle. Because, okay, you've identified it, only I can control how I act and react. So now we need to make some action items, something assignable. Oh my gosh, I know, it sounds like work or school or homework. But this is easy, I promise. And you know, as a control freak, you, we love our lists, even if it's to add something, just so we can check it off the list for a feeling of accomplishment. Oh my friends, please, if this is you, do what I did, seek professional help. I say that with all the love of coffee in the world. This is no way to achieve your goals. Okay, moving on. Back to our small circle. Make a list of the things you can't do. And this is time to get much more specific. This is what you can control. This is your control list. And this is not what you have to write. I'm just going to give you some examples. First and foremost, especially during crisis, self-care and self-compassion. You need to be compassionate towards yourself in your feelings and how you act, how you react, recognizing you're not always going to say the right things, and you're not always going to have the answers, and that's okay. It's, it's because mentally and physically, we are just, we're exhausted. So this is also where self-care is another great thing to put on this list. So how can I take care of myself? What can I do? What does that look like? Uh, what are the things that make me feel good that rejuvenate me? Um, and we'll get to a little bit more of that in our third sim. Another example is who are the people I can reach out to, to offer words of encouragement or support, say hi to, schedule a Zoom call with, just send them a text message, Slack message, whatever, Facebook message, social message. So often people just want or need empathy and an ear. 
But warning, it's not your job to change them or fix everything for them. So when you're ready to listen to someone, just listen with love, period. It's much more powerful anyway, and it goes a lot farther and stays a lot longer. If you're a parent, how can I support my kids through this? Answer their questions. Do a fun project together. Is there a streaming show you can watch as a family, as a couple, you know, as friends, whatever? Start a book club. Projects around the house. List them out. Think, you know, drive by a friend's house on their birthday or graduation. Donate food, money, or gift cards if you're in a place to do that. Volunteer at a food pantry. Take meals to friends in need, and so on. Don't aim, though, for a long list. These are all just examples. Just pick a few things that are really palatable and easy for you to grasp onto so you do feel a sense of accomplishment when you're done. Third sip. Find a way to let it go, Elsa. We are not the great and powerful Oz, and we lose. We need to lose that borderline savior complex a lot of control freaks have about wanting to fix everything and everyone. We are one human being, and while we can be a supportive human being with kind words and even buy someone food or make donations, you know, do all those great things that we put in our little circle list, we are still limited in our ability to fix other people. We cannot fix other people. We cannot fix their behavior. We can't change it. And things like, I don't know, global pandemics, out of our control to fix. Now, out of our control, but we have a role, right? So we know what that is, and that's what we can move forward with. Also, if you remember, the great and powerful Oz was an illusion too. So stop kidding yourselves that you can fix everything. For me, prayer is a powerful tool, recognizing that there is a higher power with a bigger infinite view of time and space. It helps with perspective in the grand scheme of the history of the world and the future of the world that our pain and our suffering is only for a season, whatever that may be. Praying for me is also a great way to acknowledge our limitations and ask God for help and comfort. We try to take the weight of the world on our wimpy human shoulders all too often. I'm pretty sure the God of the universe is better poised to shoulder that burden and um, definitely can handle it better than we can. So if you're not the praying type, meditation and visualization are great tools as well. Visualize yourself letting go of the situation. Maybe it's a balloon you release and it's in your mind so no animals or the environment are harmed in the making of this thought. Meditation doesn't have to be fancy and don't feel bad if it's hard because it is, but it can be just as simple as deep breathing, focusing on one thought, or visualize being in a place of common peace. For me, it's the beach and the way, listening to the waves and sitting on the sand Another tool is journaling out your anxious thoughts, and you can either keep them or you can crumple up the paper, throw it away as another symbolic way of release. Find whatever your version of Jesus Take the Wheel is for you. All right, now we're getting to the bottom of our cup. Learning to let go isn't just flipping a switch. It's a daily and, for some, minute-to-minute practice in learning to let go and focus on the things in our control. And it's okay. Repeat, repeat, repeat makes a habit, right? Last word to the wise. Be cautious, though, with how much you feed that freak inside of you. And this is by through external means, too, not just in our own head and our own limiting beliefs in our minds. This is also limiting your news intake, your social media intake, and setting boundaries with people who are only bringing negativity into, you, into your life and into your path. These things have also the tendency as a, for control freaks to remind us of the things you can't control and they will just exhaust you more mentally. These days, we need to conserve our energy for the things we can control ourselves. 
Gandhi was so right. We can be the change we wish to see in the world. Just make sure you focus on the things in your control to change, starting with your own world around you. Until next time, brew good thoughts and things. Thank you so much for having a cup of coffee with me. Join my Leadership's Facebook page for more conversation. And for daily inspiration, follow me at Leadspirations and Life is Grit on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, keep on brewing.